Hello, this is Michael Stone, the host of Conversations. We're committed to bringing you leading-edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, and spiritual fulfillment. On our program, we look for positive solutions to local and global issues that leave you touched, moved, and inspired to action. Our weekly guests include local and global experts and concerned citizens working together to heal the wounds that separate, alienate, and marginalize people. Welcome to Conversations. I feel so fortunate to have our guest today, Isaac Bentwich, MD, is a longtime practitioner and teacher of yoga and meditation. Trained as a physician and a scientist, he's founded three life science technology companies, leading revolutions in medicine, genomics, and environmental conservation. The vision and innovations that underlie these companies came through periods of silent meditation retreats at the foothills of the Himalayas and elsewhere. His path is one of reverence to the wisdom teachings that shine through the different traditions and religions. The study and practice of the Gita's wisdom, which we're going to be talking about today, has profoundly touched his life and he is passionately sharing this with others. His work on the translation of the Gita has spanned the last 12 years. So Isaac, welcome to Conversations. Oh, thank you for having me, Michael. It's a pleasure. I feel so fortunate to have you, and I was beginning to tell you, I just love this version of the Gita. You know, the 12 years you put into it are well <laughs> worth it, and you've really brought it down to the essence. So first of all, what called you to take on this, this undertaking for 12 years that you worked so hard on? Well, you know, starting from the, the beginning, my, I actually first met the Gita some 34 years ago at a yoga teacher's training course. It was a month-long uh, intensive uh, course in the uh, desert uh, down uh, south in, in Israel, um, and I liked, uh, I loved almost everything about it, the, uh, uh, the yoga, the stretching. Um, I heard that there will be some uh, meditation and some philosophy, and I was fine with that. I was a young medical uh, student uh, um, uh, doing um, yoga teaching for a living uh, to, to make ends meet uh, and uh, something that I, I found attractive uh, many years back. Um, there was one thing which I really hated in that course. And these were the uh, daily Gita lectures. So uh, um, my first encounter with the Gita was actually not a very positive uh, one. Um, when I first uh, came across it, uh, you know, there's this uh, mythology, uh, Indian war type of thing. And I was very strongly connected to my Jewish uh, roots. I was born and raised in the Jewish uh, faith and tradition and uh, had uh, already back then a high reverence for uh, Christianity and, and the other religions. But I didn't need the mythology of, of these many gods and, and goddesses and, and prince and war, so uh, I didn't really uh, uh, resonate with me. And it's one of life's uh, typical ironies, God's uh, ironies, uh, that it, it really became a, a great love uh, of my life. Mm -hmm. um, what led me to the translation to the, it was never an undertaking. And, uh, and it began and continued as my, a personal dharma or, or, or sadhana or practice. Uh, I, uh, uh, I did fall in love with the wisdom and the, the, the uh, uh, magic in these uh, verses, even in, in translations that were uh, less uh, than, than uh, uh, perfect. Uh, and I started translating them and, and writing them uh, on my own, trying first to put them into Hebrew, my mother tongue, which then turned out to be a great uh, first draft that took seven years uh, and uh, another five years to, to get it to the full uh, thing. So it's uh, really a, um, a passion and the love more than, than a, a work plan and a project, I think. <laughs> yeah. 
It's funny, I had a similar kind of first reaction years ago when I first read the Gita, and it was many, many years before I picked it up, and it was this war and this battle, and you know, and it's really all a metaphor for an inner battle. I, I think it's kind of funny that in India, they have these tours that take places where supposedly this battle took place. It's yeah. like, but it's, you know, it was the inner battle. And I'd love it if you would just tell us the, the, the great battle and, and yeah, yeah. a little bit about the, the storyline before we get yeah. into the content. Yeah. So, so the, the Gita, the, the like you say, the the story uh, of the Gita, which uh, lay, lays the following picture: there's a prince um, uh, called into battle. Um, uh, he's fighting. Uh, he's called to fight a righteous defensive war against the evil uh, family members out to kill him and his family. Um, being a pacifist, uh, we would now say um, he is uh, terribly distraught. Um, uh, he um, uh, can't uh, uh, fight and he cannot not fight. Uh, what shall I do? Uh, uh, in his uh, agony, uh, um, he turns to his uh, uh, friend, his teacher, uh, and his charioteer, <laughs> and no less than God incarnate. Um, uh, the prince is Arjuna, the, the uh, master is Krishna. In the translation, I made sure that uh, I take them back to being the prince and the master so that we don't get confused, and as I have uh, years back, with uh, these uh, 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 phrases and, and names and terms and, and the, the, the mis, uh, misnotion that this is something happening many centuries back in a different uh, uh, continent and culture and religion, which it isn't. Uh, uh, and we'll talk more about that, but, but a, a metaphor which is uh, uh, always uh, relevant. Um, but anyway, that's, that's the, the big uh, uh, story. Uh, he turns to his uh, uh, friend and his uh, master um, with uh, this uh, question, what shall I do? Um, and uh, the rest of the Gita is uh, this uh, dialogue between them. Um, it's akin to uh, our invitation, to an invitation to us um, to sit on the, uh, the prince's shoulder or to peek behind his shoulder um, and to drop in uh, onto this uh, uh, fascinating uh, discussion um, as if you had an invitation, if you could have a, a, a nice afternoon chat with God, uh, yeah. what would it be like? Uh, you know, hey, God, <laughs> tell me, what is this world about? What, what were you thinking? Uh, what is this life about? Why the suffering? Uh, how do I get out of this uh, uh, condition? On, on my uh, immediate uh, troubles right now, what do I do about them? Um, and so that's the, uh, uh, the big picture, and, and it is uh, mesmerizing in that uh, it really uh, encapsulates um, a, a discourse and understanding of the deepest philosophical questions there are, bar none. Um, and it does so, uh, and in this, this is a uniqueness of the Gita in a way which is uh, so simple, eye level, I, I say in the introduction to, to this uh, translation, it, it reminds me, I'm a medical doctor by training, so it, it's, it sort of looks like a neurosurgeon's manual delivered uh, in a poem, something as absurd as, as, as that, with the accuracy of the scalpel, uh, no uh, wishy-washy, you know, tree-hugging, uh, type of thing. No, it's very, very precise uh, on, in, in understanding these uh, biggest questions in, in life, and yet it does so um, reaching uh, beyond our intellect directly into the intuition, opening our hearts um, uh, to accept the truth that cannot be uh, analyzed by the intellect. Um, which is what the challenge of all scriptures is. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's the big story of the Gita. Well, I love you were able to cut the chaff and stick to the wheat because <laughs> you really um, 
uh, took it away from the battle and really the essence. And I don't know how you managed to keep the meter and the rhyme and everything so beautifully. Of course, I haven't read the original, you know, in the original way it was written, but it was, it was really beautiful. And each verse, now, for people who don't know, the Gita is broken into really three paths, the path of action, devotion, and wisdom. And each of those, what, six chapters, I think, in, in, yes, in exactly. each of those. So first of all, let's just talk about the three paths that they okay. outline and the structure of it. Yeah. So uh, first of all, uh, just so that you know, what, what you just mentioned is, is actually a, 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 a profound uh, uh, insight, which is uh, sometimes missed. Not everybody uh, knows that, uh, and not all traditions accept this uh, important division into the three margas, the three paths that you mentioned of action, devotion, and, and wisdom. Um, some traditions, some translators uh, really looked at it uh, from the viewpoint of one of these paths, either ascribing the whole scripture more to a devotional aspect or more to a, an action one. The, the, the three paths are, are really an important a part of the strength of the, the Gita. So, just to say that there is a lot of disagreement. There's the Vedanta, there's the Advaita, there's yeah. what is it, uh, Vishtavaita or something like that. There, there's, yeah, yeah. And, and they all have different interpretations, you know. Well, um, this this is really the beauty. I mean, you you got right to the the heart of it. The 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 beauty of the Gita is that with all of the Upanishads and the Vedas, there's great literature, and all of these classifications and, and philosophies. The Gita managed. It was written 2,500 years ago. Managed to encapsulate and to integrate these diametrically opposed and, and, and the complementary views, synthesizing them into these three concepts, action, devotion, and wisdom. Why these uh, three paths? It's actually, uh, the path of action starts where we are. Um, how do we go through today, through tomorrow? Uh, how do we uh, go to the grocery? How do we uh, deal with our relationships? Uh, uh, we're here, uh, we're stuck in this body, uh, as it were, in this uh, life uh, with its uh, beauty and its uh, pain and suffering and joy. How do we go through it? Uh, how do we, what is the art of living wisely, uh, uh, you could say, such that every day becomes a spiritual lesson and you go come out of it, hopefully, a bit wiser, a bit more evolved, and not a bit more worn out. This is the big tragedy of our lives, right? You look at, the, at babies, at young children, so pure, so innocent, so simple. Uh, they cry when it's painful, and then they laugh, and then they, they, they go through a life. And then uh, you look at yourself in the mirror, and it's a sort of a... a, 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 a sobering uh, uh, vision how life has worn us uh, is, is wearing us uh, down this is the first path of the Gita let us learn the art of living more wisely um, and transforming uh, our basic uh, tendency for ego-based uh, action to altruistic one which uh, um, transforms our lives into a spiritual school uh, so that's the first path well, the first, yeah, but the, I think the thing that's really interesting is the first opening is the principal yeah. breakdown of saying, I don't know, I don't know how to deal with climate change and, and war with my, my family and, and all of these things. And there's that sense of surrender, teach me, exactly. I'm open. Exactly. Exactly. In the first, in the the first and second chapter of the Gita are still the 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 the, uh, the framework story. And exactly like you mentioned, when you read it first, you read the prince's uh, monologue. He, uh, uh, 
makes perfect sense. I mean, he says, well, you know, I cannot go into uh, battle and I shouldn't be uh, killing my family. And, and, uh, and, and many translation, translators and readers sort of uh, uh, fall on the sidelines uh, here without understanding the subtlety uh, which comes at, uh, just uh, in the middle of this uh, second chapter when the prince says, I don't know. Uh, a veil of pity routes my heart. Mine's dark. Where does my duty lay? Guide me, master. What ought I do? I'm your disciple. Show me the way. Uh, you know, I, I get the uh, goosebumps uh, with this uh, verse. It is only then that you realize he was uh, stump uh, speeching until then, as we do. You know, we're so full of it. This theory and that theory, and I'm a pacifist. And, uh, and so the, the master's response uh, is this uh, uh, dramatic pull of the rug under the feet, uh, under the feet of the, the, uh, uh, the prince. We said that it's three paths and it begins with action. How do I live? But it, the, the, the response actually first takes the basic principle and jumps all the way to the tip of the pyramid, to the wisdom. Uh, you speak words of wisdom, O oh prince, but your sorrow is in vain. For the, uh, the truly wise never mourn, neither the living nor the slain. There was never a time we were not me or you or these enemy kings, nor can there be any future in which we ever cease being. The master says, what are you talking about? You're not this body or mind. Uh, you think that the battle is outside, it's actually inside. I will guide you. Uh, we'll start from uh, uh, um, class zero and talk about how to act wisely in the world. But first, let me set things uh, straight. It's not an external battle. Your problem is not with the enemies outside, but with your demons inside. Now, let's, let me take you by the hand and show you how we deal with them. Uh, and so this is the... Uh, and so indeed, surrender, which is the key for the spiritual path, is even before these uh, uh, three uh, paths are discussed, uh, um, only when he breaks down and says, I don't know, help me, uh, that, that wisdom can pour in. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. So it really takes us in so much now. I mean, it's so contemporary. It's so contemporary, it actually, when you read it, you realize that it's what quantum physics is saying right now. Non-locality, non-duality, inseparability, all of these things are 2,500 years ago this was written, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and um, uh, you know, I, I was uh, surprised to, to see that the, along the long list of people who, uh, who the Gita has uh, uh, impacted, not only in the East, but the, the, uh, and so finding not only Beethoven scribbling a, a verse in his diary and then Leonard Cohen and then the Will Smith, uh, but uh, um, uh, Robert Oppenheimer, the, yeah. uh, who led the, the Manhattan Project of developing the atomic bomb and actually quoted the verse from the Gita when, when seeing the first uh -huh. atomic de detonation. Um, and, uh, uh, and the great uh, uh, quantum physicists that, that very much connected to Vedanta philosophy of which the, uh, of, of this non-duality, uh, uh, which is the wisdom path that we spoke about uh, uh, in, the, in the Gita. Yeah, yeah. So, um, let's so, so just to complete the, your answer, so the three paths, the path of action we, we uh, said a little bit about, then comes the path of of uh, devotion, which is really the path of the heart. If the path of action uh, is uh, teaching us how to act wisely in the world, the next step up, and they are integrated, uh, integrative approaches that are steps on a ladder at the same time. Uh, not sequentially, you first do this and only then you do that, but they describe, it's like an, an autobiography of our spiritual journey. We start with the uh, how to act wisely in the world. We then evolve to uh, uh, opening the third eye, the eye of, of the uh, intuition, uh, and appreciating the magic uh, in nature around us, the unity uh, uh, that's around us. Uh, 
through observing uh, nature, seeing you, you see a beautiful sunset, you see uh, the children smiling, um, and and you get the sense of the divine unity that's uh, that's around us, and and the hint that you are part of that uh, uh, unity. And then finally, the wisdom path that takes it to the, the, the final stage of addressing the question, so who am I? Uh, and and the, the, the gradual awakening uh, or light coming into our lives of realizing uh, that we are the divine within us and not the, uh, uh, the physical body that, uh, that houses it. So these are the three paths. And within us does not mean within my body. No, no. Within the field or the body. Let's talk about the, what you call the timeless inner self with no beginning and no end, because that's kind of a goal out there, right? How do, how do, so, for, so what is the timeless inner self with no beginning and no end? That's something that somebody would say, oh, well that, what does that mean, you know? Well, you know, this is this is the, the, the again the, the beauty and the power, the, the the uniqueness of the the Gita. It starts from uh, by throwing us into the deep end of saying you're not this body, you're not this uh, mind, uh, etc. Feelings, yeah. Uh, is important to uh, as an uh, uh, as an initial statement, but then, uh, uh, like you say, it then leaves us puzzled okay, so maybe I am the body and maybe I'm not and timeless and the bodiless and all right, so I hear you. What, what do I do? Maybe somebody had this, so, so Jesus Christ had this realization or Buddha had this realization, you be do good for him. I, I can hear that, that he's in a different, he or she's in a different place. What do I do about it? And in fact, the Gita it takes us and says it's, it's not about the faith or a dogma or anything takes us by the hand in baby steps. You want to be a, a, a Mozart? Start by doing your scales, right? You don't uh, get to write the uh, symphonies from, from day one, and nor could, uh, should you be surprised if it doesn't come pouring uh, right out. Action path, devotion path, wisdom. First, uh, you're, uh, doing your meditation is great, but you know you do your meditations what uh, 20 minutes uh, twice a day or whatever. Um, you have another 23 hours of acting and dreaming. Uh, let's deal with those. Uh, how do we change the, the 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 way we act in the world so that it is less um, overridden by the blindness of ego? Uh, and so that takes us towards that step. How do we get to this timeless and uh, bodiless, etc.? Um, from the beginning, uh, we uh, deal with actions. Um, every action becomes an, a, an off, a prayer and an offering. And action itself then dissolves and is gone. Says another verse, beautiful verse. Uh, when we're less uh, in the mindset of I am doing, whether it is good or bad, I am doing this, I am doing that, I am angry, I am suffering, I am religious, I am spiritual, to these are winds of changes that are blowing through us. Um, there's a, the, one of the first verses, again, uh, another one of my favorite, there's 700 verses in the Gita, and each one <laughs> is my favorite child. Here's another favorite for you. Um, senses contacting their objects cause feelings of heat and cold, joy and pain to evince. They come and they go. They never last long. You must learn to bravely endure them, O Prince. So here again is the whole thing encapsulated in one verse. Mm. Realizing that these things are blowing through us. Now a wave of wisdom is there and we are a bit wiser and we see God all around us. Now a, a, a wave of anger is there. We're more constricted. But this is not us. We're observing this. And so um, step by step, we move along this path from acting wisely to then the next step of at least seeing unity, seeing divinity around us, even if it is sometimes. We, we all have, this is the, the great message of the Gita. This is not written for somebody else or is more, more evolved. It's written for you 
you are the prince, you are the princess. That was the, if you spoke about the passion of why I wanted to translate it, it was this perhaps more than, than anything. Every single one of us has, has these moments. We're seeing a sunset and we're in awe and we realize something uh, that cannot be put in word that is different than, than our regular uh, I am separate than him and it is all machines and, and the, uh, or the body is, is, a, is a machine. There is something there. Uh, uh, there is a unity. So it, we uh, gradually dissolve uh, into it and ultimately we go into the higher realms of, uh, uh, of, of the big question of who we are, etc. But it's, it's this gradual path that, that leads us there. So let's talk about, because this is not a instant enlightenment, it's a yeah. process that we go to. And one of the biggest barriers, which I think you've demonstrated and shown very well, but it's very hard for people to get is, we live in a result-oriented society. Yes. Everything is to get an outcome. We have to have an outcome. So yeah. we're, we're clinging to results with our actions. Our actions are always in order to. So talk about that pitfall, first of all. Yeah, so you know, first tying it a bit to, to my biography, I'm, I'm a physician by training and entrepreneur by profession. I, I started and, and managed three life science companies. Uh, and so this go-getter, a result-oriented approach in an entrepreneur's path, uh, it's sort of taken to the extreme. Uh, it's, and it's actually taken to both extremes. On the one hand, uh, there's a wall, you have to go through it, and then you're both, uh, it attracts people that, that have a strength in this type of thinking in the first place, and it very much encourages it. You, you, uh, uh, you die uh, financially if you don't have the resolve, and, 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 and so this breeds this uh, strong ego, a, a, a go-getter approach. At the same time, it also um, it brings in with experience the, the humility of understanding that forces much greater than you um, will will put your plans to uh, tear your plans to pieces. This is what life is about. And so it is actually from the practical side uh, of dealing in the world uh, uh, in, a, in an extreme version of it that uh, I connected very strongly to what the Gita is saying, which is heretical uh, in, uh, in a sense that it says you do learn to do your actions without expecting the fruits of your action. Uh, mm -hmm. You have the right to work, O oh Prince, but not to the fruit this work yields. Uh, never work for the fruits of your action, nor to laziness ever conceive. Um, so, um, again, such a lofty goal. Work, you have the right to work, not the duty to work. You have the right to work. You have no rights for the fruits of the work. What? Come again? Uh, everything we do is for a fruit, yet everyone who, when you look into your own experience, whatever your life path, you find that when you're obsessed with the future, uh, you cannot get the good results. Uh, uh, athletes, they will tell you, you know, you, you can't make it to the, the A team uh, if, you're think, if you're thinking um, rather than having let go of thoughts so that you are in the zone, so that you can uh, flow and do your thing. Uh, if you're obsessed with the failure, uh, every uh, great uh, uh, you know, mogul or, or uh, uh, successful businessman will tell you in a slightly different version of this, I, I'm focusing not on the dollars, but on getting a good product out there. And then the dollars come, right? This is something closer to, to what to, to our framework. So that's still very egotistic. The Gita is taking it to the, to the extreme of saying, do your actions as prayer. Do your actions for the action's sake. Enjoy the present moment. Uh, so again, this is something that, that we all know. And giving, and giving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Give it all. You have the right to work. The Gita uses this metaphor. The teacher talks to the prince who is an archer at the battlefield. 
and and so God uh, or the master is saying um, you are a tool in my hand as in yours your pliant bow so this is this uh, a beautiful invitation which again finds resonance in our heart letting life act through us uh, you're a poet you're a mom you're a builder you're an architect uh, you're thinking initially i'm an architect oh i'm so talented oh i have to work very hard so that this uh, building will come out the best i want it on the cover of the next uh, thing and and so stress comes in and then the and, and anxiety and, and so forth transforming this into looking yourself in the mirror and saying really uh, you're an architect where did you get your talents from uh, is it something that you created this somehow you know poof you were born you were educated you had these parents you had these everything is working through you and then life becomes very easy uh, yes i'm an architect i love building or whatever you, you're doing god is acting through me i'm working as hard as i can uh, but without the stress of will it or will it not happen and uh, so anyway <laughs> So Isaac Bentwich, Dr. Isaac Bentwich, who, who started three major companies and is a medical doctor, you're a passionate guy. But the master, yeah. Krishna, says, when entering reality, one leaves all passion behind. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> Uh, this uh, this is a, again a, a, a great uh, reminder. Um, th there there are two types of passions, if you will. Um, when when uh, I've, I've had the, the great fortune of, of uh, sitting at the feet of of, uh, of masters, uh, uh, women and men uh, who have changed my life uh, and who I view as as. Uh, um, living examples of, of Gita's wisdom in, in action. When you meet uh, people like these, um, there's nothing dead wood about them. Uh, they're passionate, um, they're joyful, uh, and we're encouraged to, to, be, the, to be the same. Uh, just not clinging, that is all. Uh, yeah. when, uh, when we're talking about renunciation, uh, again, there's a big uh, misconception. You know, you, you're not called to be a monk or to to leave everything behind. Only leave your uh, um, clinging to your desires uh, uh, behind. Uh, uh, you are supposed to be or invited to uh, to be passionate for love and life and uh, and uh, God. If you uh, are religiously inclined, uh, that is acting through you. Um, but uh, dancing the dance of life and being centered in the moment and in giving and so gradually eroding the ego that that uh, um, um, that that's uh, that's uh, obsessing you. Um, yeah. Think of passion. Think of, of what you of the observation you just made. You can have two types of the the the, uh, uh, the untethered type of passion uh, is a much freer one. Uh, I'm, uh, we use the example of an architect or a chef. Uh, you can be a chef and you should be passionate about the pepper and the, the garlic and the, the whatever and the odors and the, the, the slicing and dicing. And uh, you should be doing this as, uh, as if your life depends on it because it does. You should be doing it, but not obsessing about what will the critics say. And how will it turn out? Because it's not in your hands. And so you can be absorbed uh, in uh, falling in, in love with life itself. The, the, the Sufis, Rumi, uh, were um, uh, acting from this or uh, uh, embodying this uh, path of the heart, uh, which is uh, if, uh, living in the flame of passion of, of life. Well, you're... What you're talking about is devotion, devote being yes. devotional in what of you're course. Doing. Of yeah. course. Of yeah. course. Now you said something I want to explore. So many people today are looking for their purpose. Yes. People pay thousands of dollars to go to a seminar to find their their purpose. And it's always about getting somewhere, usually, to get somewhere. Yeah. And in the Gita, 
there is talk about embracing our natural born life's calling. But yeah. most people are kind of floating, looking for their purpose. What is it? What's my purpose? You know, they're waiting for something to happen. So yeah. how do people connect with this natural born life's calling? Yeah, so that's a great question. And, and the calling uh, in the original Sanskrit, the, the, the word dharma is used uh, uh, and, and is, is more formally translated into duty. Um, and it was only after um, halfway through a, a, in this 12-year journey that, that I started relating to it as, as calling rather than as, as, a, a, as a duty, uh, because this is what it's, it's really about. Um, the Gita encourages us, of course, does not give us cookie-cutting answers, uh, you should be doing this, you should not be doing that, but the guidelines that help us, and without getting too hung up, I think, on a, a calling in life. I mean, you, you may have several callings in your life, as an example, there are periods in your life where being a mom or being a dad uh, is your calling. This is what you're, uh, you're born to uh, do. And at other times, the same person may uh, find their passion or their, their calling in something different. So it's not uh, uh, gung-ho about, about one calling in, in, uh, in life. But the general advice uh, here is, is uh, to, uh, um, to embrace the calling that, that's calling us. Um, uh, and, and, and to, allow us, to allow ourselves to uh, dance through life with life acting through us uh, with this, uh, this calling. So it's, it's part of the action path that we discussed that we, uh, before, uh, but it uh, sort of takes it into the context of society and, uh, and, and our place uh, in the world. An important guidance that the Gita gives is find and do your life's calling knowing that it cannot be done perfectly and not trying to mimic somebody else. Doing your own calling, adhering to your own calling, even if it's not perfectly done, the Gita says there's all, there will always be smoke uh, around fire, so don't expect perfection. Uh, and don't be mesmerized by doing something. You may be doing something and it will be with perfect results, but in your heart, uh, you know that that's not what, uh, what you're meant to, uh, to be doing. Um, uh, it, it does not give you the satisfaction and the, uh, um, the, the spiritual uh, uh, feeling, this is what I should be doing. So, uh, you know, if... Uh, uh, women um, uh, it, 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 at our generation have this uh, a, a stronger confrontation with uh, this career or family. Uh, um, and so different people at different times in their life journey will, will make different choices. The Gita, the Gita helps crystallize it. Am I doing my lawyering or, or real estate or whatever career? Uh, and I'm doing it perfectly. But in my heart, I feel... I should be a mom right now. Uh, and so the fact that I'm doing something perfectly and earning top dollars is actually not, uh, not what I should be doing because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's what is right uh, for me. Uh, and the opposite is true, uh, of course, as, as well. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm doing this and I'm, it's not perfect and I'm, I'm feeling, oh, I, it's not perfect. Uh, it cannot be perfect. And so there's this relaxedness on the one hand, this uh, utter seriousness of understanding you have a calling. Life is precious. Don't waste it. Uh, don't be uh, uh, fooled by external appearances or what other people uh, uh, do. You are your own uh, guide. And in fact, that's why the Gita is a dialogue, not between a prince and a master, but we are the prince and the master. It's a dialogue with the inner voice of the wisdom within our heart. Um, mm, so rich what you're saying. So a couple of things I want to say. One, so when we're talking about perfect, we're actually looking at an objective or right way to do something, which can only come from the past anyway. 
And yes. that doesn't allow us freedom. That's one of the things I just wanted to mention. But to go back to what we were talking about just a second ago, is it fair to say that what we're talking about is it's not what you're doing, it's how you're being when you're doing your calling? That is, that is very accurate, yes. It is all about an internal drama, uh, an internal uh, uh, journey, uh, which is acted out in the world that we live in uh, outside. And so we, we have this dialogue with the, the external uh, side, but we're weaned uh, gradually from being mesmerized by the outside. Uh, we usually are... Uh, uh, totally focused outside. We spoke about action, now we're speaking about uh, calling, same thing says the Gita. Uh, what should I be doing? Should I be lawyering or should I be uh, momming? Uh, well, um, uh, 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 I'm, I'm great at writing contracts, I'm, I'm not so good at doing diapers or vice versa. Uh, Gita says, well, let me help you look at it in a different way. Uh, what is right for you to do? Uh, diapers will never be perfect, nor will contracts. Um, uh, and nor are you off the hook of doing the diapers or the contracts as perfectly as you can and expecting nothing. Uh, and so being resilient to failure and success, not being, a, oh, she's, I, I cannot be a mom because she is much better at momming than, than me. Who are you to say? What do you know? Uh, what's this comparison? What has it got to do with anything? Uh, you're here living your life um, rather than obsessing about the, the, the neighbor's lawn and whether it's, it's more green. You should be watering your lawn. You're not off the hook. This is your lawn. This is your body. This is your family. You have to feed them. You have to take care of the body uh, and be balanced while you do that. So on the one hand, not uh, in this uh, show which we're all sucked into of, you know, I have to have the tightest bum or I have to have the, 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 the flattest abs or whatever, or, nor on the, the other end of neglecting this body. This is a, a, a great asset you were given, uh, nor being sidetracked or, or confused when different moods flow through your mind, and they do. At some, time, at some points in the day, uh, you're more materialistic, uh, the mind is more materialistic, and so you're concerned with your abs or, or thinning hair or whatever, uh, and that is fine, not being obsessed by it, not being troubled by it, hmm, this is mind doing its thing. Now it's in a materialistic mode. Uh, at other times, you're in awe and you feel God's uh, presence, not being sidetracked by that either. I haven't become a saint, Sainthood is flowing through me. Let me enjoy it uh, while it's uh, there. So this is the type of dialogue that, 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 that the Gita encourages rather than um, hard, fast dogmas of uh, uh, that's the exciting journey. Yeah, I love that. I also, I just wanted to mention, Isaac, that I really love that this is gender neutral, that you included, uh, because that's not how the original version was. Right. Uh, it, it it really is uh, written for men or women. It's it's yeah yeah. I felt that that's uh, very much uh, 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 overdue. And uh, um, there's uh, the you spoke about women. The 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 only place uh, that women are uh, mentioned in the original uh, Sanskrit is uh, verse thirty two in chapter nine. Uh, where it says, my door is open to all, uh, even the, the most wretched of creatures, women and untouchables. Uh, <laughs> okay. Right. Right. Different uh, context. Uh, 2,500 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you if you uh, if you were born in the body of a beast or an untouchable or a, a woman, this was a, a, a bad uh, fortune. Uh, the uh, the Gita's message, uh, however, is of course non-sectarian and and beyond the body and mind and gender and religion and and, and so forth. And so I translated that same verse: "My door is open to all, Prince." lowest of low, vilest of men, 
taking devout refuge in me, <laughs> mine uh, one surely attains. So, <laughs> good uh, job. <laughs> Kudos. Uh, so, there's a statement in there I'd love for you to talk about. Yeah. Um, and that's the relationship of action to wisdom. It's yes. action within inaction and inaction that contain that action contains. Yeah. Un unpack that for us, will you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the, I, 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 uh, I say that that verse specifically uh, is a great one for uh, 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 anyone practicing yoga, the physical yoga or Tai Chi or uh, uh, any of these uh, flow uh, uh, exercises can actually relate very uh, strongly to this. You're doing your asanas, your in yoga you, when you do it's uh, much about postures, right? So so you you um, um, head knee pose or whatever. Uh, um, we learn as we practice about the micro movement within the movement. You do your tai chi and there is a stillness within the movement. Arms are moving in the um, gentle. Uh, 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 dance-like movements, and there's a stillness uh, there. Uh, the Gita invites us, again, with this uh, uh, gentle guidance beyond the, the regular uh, um, external classification we have, we are uh, conditioned to think externally. Uh, I'm still, I'm moving. Um, uh, I will go to an ashram or sit in a cave or leave my family, or, uh, and then I will be at peace. <laughs> no can do. Uh, you may go on a vacation, be sitting, drinking your Mai Tais or whatever on a, on a beach. You've carried all your worries with you and they're swirling in your mind. You may be uh, doing your thing, uh, crossing a busy street, the street in the middle of Manhattan and you are at peace. And so we're, uh, uh, action is not just action of body, it is action of thought. And so we're uh, advised to be uh, to identify and to cultivate. Uh, it is a muscle. It is a, a skill that we can all cultivate. Of, um, but but it all comes from the beginning of understanding the action within inaction that and the inaction that action contains. Uh, isn't it wonderful if we can learn how to wash the dishes while we're at peace? The the hands are doing their thing. Um, uh, uh, we are uh, at peace. We're not. Uh, so that's that's the skill that, that we're. Uh, it reminds me of Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Quite simply, Isaac, talk about the yoga of renunciation. That is not something that people in the Western culture are very interested in doing. Renunciating. You know, a, a, a dear a friend and, and teacher, Michael Singer, Mickey Singer, uh, wrote a, a, a couple of the, uh, books, uh, um, The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment. Uh, um, and uh, he puts it uh, beautifully, uh, the surrender, which we spoke about, renunciation is about surrender. Surrender not in the usual sense of I give up, uh, or I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, it's out of my hands. I'm not going. I'm going to take a passive approach, uh, but uh, renouncing uh, the ego, renouncing the clinging uh, of the thoughts to what they should be, and to uh, thinking uh, to, to living in the, the the future or the the past. As somebody uh, once uh, said, um, try to be angry when you're not thinking about something that's in the future or the past. Try. Uh, can't be done. Very difficult. Uh, once you're grounded in the present, uh, Eckhart Tolle speaks about the power of now. Uh, so these are all different uh, metaphors or different language describing the same thing, this yoga of renunciation. Be doing your uh, and wisdom, and it is the the gateway to wisdom. Once we uh, um, once we learn how to be active in the world, both in our uh, body and in our thoughts, the mind is active. That is fine, but having a detachment from it 
seeing that this is the mind doing its thing, this is the, the hands are doing their thing, and there's a stillness within there, not doing it for a reason, not being obsessed with whether it will succeed or fail miserably. Some, how, my, how many times uh, will, it, uh, will you succeed? About half of the time. How much of the time will you fail? About half. How much of the time will you be happy? About half. How much of the time will you be sad? About half. It's, that's actually not a good statistics because uh, living our lives through this very, very narrow uh, perspective of I need the next moment in my life to be this, everything else becomes unhappiness, uh, right? So that's renunciation for you. And this is something that we, is difficult, but, but we all uh, accept if, if we're wise. And it's not at all about renouncing our uh, uh, possessions or uh, the contrary, the, the Gita talks about this. You, you, you may renounce all your possessions and go and sit in a cave. But if you're taking your passions with you, your obsessions, your desires, then you're stuck. So that's renunciation. So Isaac, I think it's uh, really wonderful that our conversation has now come full circle back to surrender. <laughs> yes. And, that's where it uh, starts and that's where it ends, yes. That's right. And again, I want to really put a plug in for your book, Gita, A Timeless Guide, for our time. Just a, a brilliant translation, a 12-year work in process, and it's really a, a, a Bible for recognizing our inner wisdom. And I think, I can't remember the line exactly, you have all these memorized, but <laughs> it's only one who knows inner self that knows true happiness is one of the lines. Only uh, one who knows inner self knows, to, uh, knows happiness, happiness pure. Happiness pure. Bitter first, but then low what sweetness. Mm. From illusion and sorrow, the cure. So, uh, <laughs> oh, well, let me just tell people your website is www.newgita.com. And uh, you can find out much more there. And I just am so grateful to you, Isaac Bentwich, uh, so for taking the time, getting up at four in the morning to come be on the show. It's just lovely to meet you. I hope our paths will cross and, and be able to be together in person sometime. Because it's just thank you, time. Michael. Uh, thank you for having me at, um, and uh, for having this uh, lovely conversation and, and uh, communing around these uh, uh, inspiring uh, themes of the, the Gita. And uh, thank you to, to all the listeners for uh, listening in. Much gratitude. Conversations is an independently produced program supported by KVMR 89.5 Nevada City and listener contributions. We are committed to bringing you leading-edge thinking in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, and spiritual fulfillment. If you would like to receive our complimentary newsletter, The Well of Light, make a contribution, or order any of our past shows, go to our website at arewelistening.net.